that we essentially realize that if we invest in bidders, we also invest in sellers. Because if we attract more demand, the prices will just go up and sellers will be very happy because of that. And it will also attract more sellers because it will just, word will spread that you can sell at Katowiki for a really good price. Project A Podcast. Welcome everybody to the Project A Podcast. I'm Philip. I'm heading the business intelligence and the marketing team at Project A Ventures. And today I'm with my friend Henk from Katowiki here in Amsterdam. Um, and together with Henk, um, I would like to talk about marketplace dynamics today, namely marketplace liquidity. So if you want the balance between the supply side and the demand side on such a platform. Um, Katawiki is a very fast-growing startup, was the fastest-growing startup a couple of years back uh, in the whole of Europe. Um, so they definitely know what they're talking about. And let me welcome Henk. Hi, Philip. Thanks. Happy to be here. Henk, uh, maybe a couple of words about yourself before we go into this topic. Um, we did an episode together already a while back, um, then talking about data teams and how successful data teams are structured, what workflows they have. Um, maybe you can shed a bit of light on why we think that you have a relevant opinion to this and give uh, our listeners an overview of how it came that you're actually dealing with these kinds of topics at Katowiki. Yeah, yeah. well, so uh, I'm uh, Henk. I'm heading the data science and analytics team here at Katowiki. Um, I've been at Katowiki for more than three years. And yeah, what we are at Katowiki is uh, we are a, yeah, a marketplace, but not uh, just a marketplace. We are a marketplace for special objects and collector's items uh, for passionate enthusiasts that really know a lot about the things they are buying and really want to buy something special. Um, so Katowiki was founded by a comic book collector who wanted a place where comic book lovers from all over the world could really find special items uh, and just special uh, comic books. Um, yeah, and from there uh, he took it up and it turned out a lot of uh, people wanted a platform like that. So from there we grew into uh, 50 categories and uh, a lot of countries, mostly in Europe, um, yeah, doing auctions of special items uh, in all kinds of categories. Um, yeah, and for us, uh, marketplace dynamics, that's the core, like the fundamentals of, of what we're doing. Uh, because as a platform, there's almost nothing we can control. Um, so we have supply on the platform, which is submitted to us by yeah, basically anyone. So you can create an account if you have a special comic book or a special ring or a special car and then submit it to our platform. Um, then our experts will take a look on the pictures and the description that you gave uh, and decide if it's special enough for our platform. And then we put it in an auction where uh, buyers or bidders from all over the world can try to win the item in an, uh, in an auction model. Um, so that means we don't really control how much supply we have coming in. Uh, we don't, of course, really control how much demand we have. We do marketing, but you, yeah, you don't have full control. And we also don't control the price of the objects because we do uh, auctions. So yeah, the highest bid can win the object, but you never know in advance what that, what's that going to be. So for us, a marketplace balance, it's like, it's, it's super key for us to understand uh, yeah, everything about it. Exactly. And by now, I think um, we would both agree in saying that if you run a marketplace business, at some point you need to understand um, the liquidity. So being the balance between supply and demand on your platform, otherwise it will be really hard to scale. When I'm saying that, I'm referring to almost two years back um, when the both of us, together with a couple of other colleagues from Katawiki, uh, and from Project A, um, started looking into this topic. Um, 
So before going deeper into Katawiki, maybe we can um, give a brief overview of why this topic became relevant at some point and why we believe that a lot of marketplaces will eventually run into this question. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think after Katowiki was founded and the, the platform was built, in the beginning our growth just like it happened to us. It was such a good product that the founders built that we that we grew like four digit uh, percentages in the first couple of years. Um, and yeah, there essentially um, we didn't even have to think that deep about marketplace balance because it was just exploding, right? Um, which I think as a founder, it's also is how you hope to start that you really find a nice uh, nice fit where people are really enthusiastic about. So your early adapters, they jump on board. Uh, but then after that, what you will always see that your, your growth starts uh, declining a bit and it doesn't happen as automatically and as uh, magically as it, as it used to be. Uh, but then yeah, being a, a founder, you of course, you want to keep fueling that growth. So then you really have to understand how to do that. So how can you, given that you probably had an investment or have a budget to spend on your company, right? Uh, you want to understand how to, to fuel your growth again. So where should you invest your money? So for instance, in marketing or in hiring more people to, to be able to yeah, push the growth of your company uh, yeah, to be as big as possible. I think that's that's a, a spot that we hit with Katowiki at a certain point that we, well, the growth uh, didn't go automatically anymore and it was, was declining a bit. Uh, so we really wanted to understand like where where and how should we act and invest to, to fuel growth. And that's, I think, how we really entered the topic of uh, marketplace balance, which indeed was uh, yeah, two years ago. And then we started uh, indeed a project together with, uh, with Project A. So maybe to get this going, um, what is marketplace liquidity actually? So I understand uh, there's supply and demand uh, on a marketplace, which is the definition of such. Um, but why is the balance of this such a complicated topic? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, I think, how we did that really in the beginning is that we will just say, um, oh, we are now demand constrained or oh, the company is now supply constrained. Right. So that's the, I think, the first take as a founder that you just have on those dynamics that you think about, oh, I don't have enough supply or I don't have enough uh, demand. And that's, I mean, that's a logical first thing to start with. But I think what we run into more and more as the, like the diversity and price ranges of our items started growing is that more and more we came into situations that, that on certain specific uh, price buckets or categories, we will have a lot of supply coming in. Whereas our marketing campaigns would mainly attract people for things very similar, but slightly different than, than the things we had supply for. Um, and and that we then we started noticing that the supply that we were able to attract, it didn't sell as well as we were hoping, uh, because although we were did a lot of marketing campaigns and we attracted a lot of traffic and people, it was just not a perfect match between the two, essentially. Um, and that's yeah, that, that's why it's really why it was really important for us to understand that part better. Um, so I think for us, the first step uh, was to create more transparency around this topic. Um, because uh, for Katowiki, and I think for a lot of marketplaces, uh, it can be yeah, quite different departments that deal with the demand and the supply side of things. So we had an operational department with, uh, with account managers and experts who had networks in the, like the, the supply side of things. And then on the other side, we had a marketing team that was mainly doing a lot of online marketing uh, to attract uh, demand. And, and those are really separate departments doing doing uh, different things um, and what we really needed was that that both these parties really understood or started understanding also what the the other team was doing so if the supply team for instance sees an opportunity 
in a specific country, so let's say in France, they know that there's this massive trade fair that will do watches and all the important watches sellers of Europe will be there. Um, I mean, those are typical opportunities for Katowice. Um, if the supply team decides to go to such a thing, then for us it's really important that the marketing team also knows that possibly we'll have a, a huge influx of watches uh, coming up. Because if we do, that means also we need to find traffic and potential buyers for, for those type of items. Um, and this is just an example, but, but to generalize, this is the type of, of transparency that we really wanted to start creating so that as the, the demand teams or the teams that take care of demand, they sort of know what's going on uh, on the supply side. So what do we currently have in auction, but also what will we have next week in our marketplace and next month and maybe like even in half a year and the other way around. I mean, uh, our marketing team, for instance, is now doing uh, super cool TV campaigns and, and other offline advertising which you can decide as a marketplace, like you want to do this big PR push or this big generalized marketing campaign. Uh, of course, if you do that, you will attract in a relatively short time uh, well, more traffic and more potential uh, people. Um, so supply teams really need to know that, that stuff like that is coming up. Uh, or if we target specific campaigns and we see that we really uh, are attracting a lot of people interested in antiques or art, uh, supply teams, if they know that in advance, they can also spin up their networks and, and start attracting those type of, of items to sell. So, so that transparency about how are our demand supply metrics currently, and what are we planning to do in the, let's say, short and, and midterm, uh, I think creating that transparency was for us really key in, uh, yeah, in, in bringing this one step further for the company. Okay, so now we already made two steps. The first one would be understanding that the balance between supply and demand across the different granularities of such a marketplace being different categories and within that being subcategories and so on is a key challenge. The second one being gaining transparency over this uh, on both sides. So making sure that um, the demand creation and the supply creation, they, um, they know what's going on and that they can interact with each other. Um, going to that second point a bit more, um, how did you go about in, in creating this transparency as a first step? We'll later on talk about what actions come out of this transparency. But this getting this transparency over such a big marketplace as Katawiki is, with you said it, 50 categories and a lot of subcategories in that is quite a challenge. So how did you do that? Yeah, so what's key, uh, of course, there is, is understanding what it means to have high demand or low demand or high supply and low supply. So we uh, spoke a lot with the, the people in those departments and, and really learned about the, the things they were doing and the type of campaigns and the... Yeah, what for them was success and what they would optimize on. So that way we could we really understood uh, from, from their perspective how, how success looks like, right? So high demand or a successful campaign. Um, and then we use those insights essentially to come up with sort of a, a centralized place. So that could be a dashboard or that could be just like insights that you share or uh, like either way, a centralized way of accessing like the high level metrics that you, that you picked. Uh, for describing demand and supply. Um, because by making those visible, so by creating a place where someone outside marketing still could go and understand how we're doing demand-wise, or someone out of supply could go and see how many items we have uh, in certain niches or price buckets or, or categories, uh, by creating that place, um, anyone involved in the topic would be able to understand uh, yeah, how, the, how the liquidity is currently going. So I guess, yeah, the key for me is always communication to really involve the departments that have this, uh, well, that are relating to this uh, opportunity. And 
and uh, really uh, yeah, inform them and be transparent about the thing, how things are going. So you mentioned uh, a centralized place where this transparency over the liquidity happens. Um, what can I imagine this place to look like? Um, so what is it based upon? What does it look like? And how does it come into being? So who are the ones or who are the ones at Katawiki driving this to make this transparency in the first place happen? Yeah, I think so to, to generalize, you, you want a place um, that describes the variety you have on your, on your platform. So in, in our case, or Our biggest two axes of variety are the categories that we have. So those, yeah, those range from watches to antiques to cars, and the price buckets we have in those categories, right? So then we have expensive watches and cheap antique and all those things. Um, of course, for a, a different marketplace, this could be something else. But you want, I guess, to capture the variety you have on your marketplace in a way that's understandable and that that really tells what you have uh, in your uh, in your marketplace. And then using this way of thinking, of describing uh, what we have in the marketplace, uh, we started a, a team um, which essentially worked on, on bringing those insights about the liquidity in all those various segments uh, in one central uh, dashboard. So we had some, uh, some data scientists and some analysts in that team, um, as well as some more business-oriented people that would really uh, work in marketing or in the supply teams so they could really sort of embed those tools in their in their workflow there. Uh, so it was yeah, a multidisciplinary team, which was centralized. So it was in between departments to, to bring all those insights in a, yeah, in a place where really people could uh, see for their segment, which was relevant for them. So mid-priced coins from France, right? Which could be a segment for Katowiki. They could really find out how currently demand and supply were doing also how it has been performing over the last uh, like year and uh, per week and really see how all these metrics are uh, evolving. Um, so still sticking with this transparency, how did you define that um, there is a disbalance between supply and demand? Is it just the number of items? Uh, I, I think at Katawiki they're being called lots. Yeah. And the number of lots compared to the demand in the sense of being a bidder taking part in this auction Or what is your very own definition of, a, of an imbalance between those two? For that, I will explain a bit more how Katowiki works. Um, so we do auctions and those auctions start every week. And then most of the items start at a, a, a starting bid of one euro, right? And then people mm -hmm. come in and they can start bidding on it. And the highest bidder uh, will win the item. Um, and then among those, we have a group of items indeed, which we call lots which have uh, what we call a reserve price, which is a term from the, the auction world, which is sort of a hidden a minimum uh, value threshold. Um, and if the highest bid doesn't exceed this reserve price, then the item is not sold, right? So we need to, so we could have a, a Ferrari car on auction and there the seller is then able to set a reserve price of 30,000 euro, which is really a good deal for a Ferrari, by the way. <laughs> and then if the highest bid is not 30,000 euro or higher, the item will not be sold. So, so that's, that's how the auctions work. Um, but that means that just looking at the revenue or number of items sold doesn't really tell the whole story because all these items without a reserve price, they will essentially always get sold. However, from a seller's perspective, if the items are sold for one euro or two euro, he will definitely not see that as a success and neither do we because we work on a commission basis. And, and well, commission, uh, percentage commission on one euro is not, not enough to uh, well, run the business. Um, so what we uh, did to to, uh, yeah, to define balance and to define high demand and high supply 
is we essentially looked at the, the historical performance of, of a number of metrics around selling items. Uh, so we would look at the number of uh, bidders, number of users interacting with an item. So placing a bid or, or making it, uh, marking it as a favorite item, for instance. Um, and we could really see over time who that would develop. So maybe as an example, maybe today we have on average uh, six bidders competing per watch in our watches auction in the mid price bucket, for instance. But we know that uh, half a year ago, we had eight people competing in that very same segment. So for us, that was a way of knowing that we did better in the past. So we were in a certain point in time in the position that we could attract eight people to bid on the same watch. And of course, uh, in auctions, the more people you have engaging with an item, the higher the price will go. And the same we did with that reserve price. So we always have a percentage of items that are not sold because they do not meet the reserve price. And this also can fluctuate a bit over time. So if now in uh, expensive antiques, um, we only sell uh, uh, 55% of the items, whereas maybe uh, uh, eight weeks ago, we, we were still selling 70% of the items. Yeah, it seems that somehow we are able to do better, but we are not doing as good as the, at the moment. Or the other way around, if we now will have a sell rate of 80%, which is the highest we ever got, we can contact our sellers and tell them, hey, the sell rate in antiques is higher than it ever was at Katowiki. So this may be the right moment for you to submit more items that you could still have. So now you're already referring a bit to the actions that can be taken once you have this transparency. Yeah. But trying to generalize is a bit further away from Katowiki because it's so special also thanks to the auction model that is on top of this marketplace. Mm -hmm. You could think Airbnb, right? It's a marketplace that almost yeah. everybody knows, I think. Um, so I understood that the first thing to do is really defining the different dimensions. So at Katowiki, it was categories and price buckets. Yeah. And at Airbnb, you could probably think Uh, regions, so having a certain supply of apartments in Amsterdam and Berlin and so on. Mm -hmm. And another dimension could, for example, be, uh, is it private rooms like full apartments or is it shared apartments or is it apartments that are in the city center or in the outskirts? So I think there are different dimensions to, to take into account. Yeah. And in the beginning, it was very much of, a, of an effort of defining these two, these two categories or yeah. dimensions. Um, and then you described the next one being The question is, is it actually now a good time? So do we have enough demand or too little? And the same on the supply side. And I think in the Airbnb example, this could probably be a bit easier than with Katowiki because they don't have this bidding model so much. So it would, it would, it would really be looking at the historic numbers. How did they develop? So how many people are requesting to stay for a couple of nights in this, in this area, in this kind of apartment, in this city and so on? Um, yeah. So once you have this, no matter what it looks like, uh, it will be some overview over these different dimensions, also visualized in a, in a graphic way. Um, what were, for Katawiki, the actions that you were actually thinking of in order to act upon this? So let's say we have um, an undersupply in the watches section in the mid-range. What would someone from the supply team do? Yeah, so if we have an undersupply uh, in a certain category, um, yeah, what we of course then want as a, as a platform, as a marketplace is more supply of exactly that segment where we identify using these metrics that we could use a little more, which will be the same for indeed uh, an Airbnb or even if you sell uh, items at a fixed price that you buy yourself, if you just notice you can could sell more than you're doing now and you want more of them. 
Um, and that's exactly what we then try to do. So um, yeah, what we did, for example, is that every week we uh, evaluated how the last week was going, essentially, and then identifying the areas where, in our case, we would get really high prices or really high number of bidders. Um, and then we built uh, yeah, just a very simple uh, automated email to our uh, commercial team, so to the, to the sales teams, where we will essentially highlight those segments. So we will say, hey, account manager, um, last week in watches in the mid-price segment, uh, we saw a very high number of bidders and a very high demand. So maybe this is a very good moment to contact your sellers and tell them that this is a good moment to sell watches. Uh, because that's that's how we run our supplies, that we have experts and uh, sales teams that have close contact with our, our bigger sellers. And a lot of those sellers, they have more supply and they could submit it, especially if they would know that right now they could get higher prices than ever. And of course, in any marketplace, there there is some like like freedom there to, or some flexibility usually. So for instance, if you, if you again uh, would do a, a, like an Airbnb type of thing, if you could contact all your previous uh, house owners in an area, telling them that prices are higher than ever in a certain area, uh, that will definitely spark some interest for them, and, and they, more people may uh, make their uh, their room available. Yeah, and the same for if you sell uh, like uh, parts or food or groceries. I mean, you all get it from suppliers. So if you can tell the suppliers this is really a good moment to sell, yeah, I mean, most commercial suppliers uh, will uh, be very uh, interested in hearing that, and that's exactly the approach we try to take. So to to just build simple things, informing the right people about about the right insights at the right moment, um, and yeah, just urging them to uh, to act. Mm-hmm. So first step was to internally make the sales slash supply team aware of the fact that there was low or high supply in a certain category, um, and then also helping them in acting on this. Right. So you said that identifying um, previous sellers and then helping them and contacting these sellers yep. with the information that currently prices are actually really high so maybe they have another watch to sell yeah exactly yeah. if we look at the demand side um, what are things that you can do once you know that there is high or low demand in one of these uh, segments that we identified so let's stick probably with the watches sure. um, in the in the mid price sector mm-hmm. what would the demand creation so I guess there's the marketing team what would they actually do with yeah. this information? Yeah, so so Katowiki has a yeah, let's say a very broad uh, channel mix uh, in marketing, right? So we and I think like most startups, we do very extensive online marketing and all kinds of channels. Uh, we have uh, extensive CRM programs, so we can send yeah we uh, any kind of email to all our uh, customers who are subscribed to uh, to our updates. Um, yeah, and all of that, of course, is already quite automated, as it's like in most uh, most startups. Uh, so meaning that if we know we want to create a certain campaign about watches in a certain channel, w- like the marketing team is relatively quick, could be relatively quick in creating campaigns like that. Uh, and with that in mind, um, we started trying to identify uh, items or categories or uh, options that were lacking a bit in the uh, in demand so that we could instantly essentially create extra marketing campaigns for those uh, for those segments, so watches in the mid category, trying to attract a couple more people to push the push the bids in our case to a higher value, or in general to just to try to sell more of the items that you have a bit uh, over supply. Um, yeah, so in our case, we really that meant uh, uploading more inventory to certain feeds of, of certain uh, marketing channels, where we uh, created some special campaigns that would do sort of last minute campaigns for the auctions. 
and then pushing specifically the items that uh, that could could use a little boost because they were uh, lacking behind a bit in demand. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so we mentioned that all of this started almost two years ago um, with a very fresh approach to this because it only then became a topic. And you said that in the beginning, growth happened to you, which mm -hmm. I think is put very nicely. <laughs> um, what happened since then? So um, we very much now described the situation a while ago. Um, what kind of progress did you make in, in managing, actively managing uh, this balance between supply and demand? Yeah. Uh, on the marketplace yeah yeah so uh, yeah definitely we we kept thinking and are still thinking constantly about this topic um, I think one very important step that we made is uh, that with all the supply teams um, we really improved the way we do planning uh, so we now really try to have a very granular insight in at least for the next quarter like how many items in which uh, category in which price bucket will we have in auction um, because if we know that a bit longer in advance, then the marketing team can really granularly prepare for these uh, for the next quarter. So what we do is uh, before the start of every quarter, uh, all categories essentially, so the supply teams from all categories will be sitting together with the category marketeer, which works in the marketing department, and really talk through like, well, in the next quarter, this is what we're aiming to do. So like the first week we'll have uh, 2,000 items, but then we expect to grow it to 4,000 items towards the, the end of the quarter. Um, and just by sharing that that knowledge, which we already had in the company, because yeah, our, our experts and auctioneers and sales teams, they do work very closely with the seller, so they knew this already. But by just sharing it and making it available for everyone and having these meetings, uh, there's now much more awareness about yeah, what, what will the company and what will the marketplace do in the, in the next uh, yeah, couple of months. So I think yeah, that was mostly around just process optimization, making sure that everyone has access to yeah, to these insights and this knowledge about what's going on. Um, and I think, I mean, as a company, you can never master those type of things. You can always keep improving on them, which we are still uh, doing. And I think a second thing that we realized is, um, because, I mean, often we you are in a position as a company that you have limited budget and you have to yeah, decide to spend uh, where to spend it so in our case we do not always have the budget to run marketing campaigns for 50 categories and to uh, double the the sales team uh, so by hiring uh, 50 more people right and this is for every uh, startup of course uh, a dilemma so where do you invest um, so i think what worked well for us in general and i think what i would recommend also to others is to to, to think really well about what is it that will attract yeah, people to your platform Right? So what is it that will really can really fuel uh, your growth? So in our case, we have bidders and we have sellers. And what we realize is that for sellers, the number one reason to be on Kata Weekly is to earn money, right? So a lot of people, uh, so we, we have quite some sellers whose only source of income is trading on Kata Weekly and many other people for whom it's an important uh, income stream. Um, so for them, that we achieve the highest price, that's just that's the most important to them. Whereas for our bidders and our buyers, um, of course, there's just the variety in items and the more they can choose from, the better. But for bidders, we offer more. So we are uh, we offer a trusted marketplace where uh, we will hold the payments for a while and take care of the payments and assist in the shipping. And we do the curation uh, to making sure we only have legit items that are special. Right. So for, for bidders, um, we have much more to, let's say, bind them to the, the platform. Uh, and realizing this is... Um, we realize that if we are just able to make the life of 
bidders better. So if, if we were to choose which one to invest in, to sellers or to bidders, now we essentially realize that if we invest in bidders, we also invest in sellers. Because if we attract more demand, uh, the prices will just go up and sellers will be very happy because of that. And it will also attract more sellers because it will just, word will spread that you can sell at Katowiki for a really good price. Um, I think for, for a lot of marketplaces, this is a, something to really think about. Like you have to choose between what you invest in or where you invest more and where you invest less in, uh, in terms of your marketplace balance. And for us, the realization that, that, that if we invest in better demand, um, that we will also attract supply, whereas the other way around, it doesn't work as strongly. So if we invest in more sellers, we will get more variety on the platform, but it will not necessarily immediately drive a lot of new bidders. That for us was also an important insight. So all things equal, we, we prioritize the bidders and the demand experience uh, because we know that sellers will also be happy with that. All right. So since the last two years, you investigated this topic further, obviously, um, and you made it part of the planning going forward. So in the past, it sounded a bit like it was more trying to explain what happened in the, in the recent weeks. And now it's part of the Intrigo planning process looking forward. Yeah. It's, that's very interesting to hear. And the second is that you realize that um, bidders probably have a slightly higher significance um, because sellers basically are here to make money and the bidders are the ones if you drive their happiness then this this does good for the business yeah um, of course I mean uh, never invest in only one of the two but I think <laughs> anyone will understand it so we are also always actively improving uh, like the tools that the sellers use but yeah as, as a having a business you will come into, into these situations that you just you have to prioritize the things to work on yeah, and for us we really made the conscious decision of saying well if we really build a good platform for the the buyers, we will sell items at higher prices, and there's nothing what sellers would rather want than having higher prices for their items. Yeah, understood. So, if I were to run a marketplace, um, I think there's quite some literature out there um, regarding the chicken egg problem, so that a marketplace can only start if you have a, a critical um, mass of supply and demand, so that it really becomes a marketplace. Um, you described that this kind of happened to Katowiki. Um, but imagine I'm there with my marketplace um, and now I understand that actively managing the marketplace liquidity, so the balance between supply and demand, is something I need to take care of. What do I need in terms of infrastructure? So I learned from you uh, what the team approximately looked like. There were some data scientists, some analysts involved, also um, stakeholder from the marketing, so demand side, and also from the supply, so the sales side. Um, but apart from these uh, smart minds that I will need to tackle this topic, is there something that uh, I might need on the infrastructure side in order to be able to pull this off? At Katowiki, we, uh, uh, we value data a lot, uh, which is, I think, not a new idea in the minds of uh, people listening to this podcast. Um, but, but what for us is really crucial is that for anyone in the business that, that makes decisions that even relate to this, they should really have at their fingertips the yeah, all commercial data that we have. Um, so if someone, let's say, in a specific category is considering growing or, or making a category smaller or splitting it, um, that person should be really uh, easily uh, be able to just go back in time and just pull like the, the sales records of the last four years in per week in his category to just see how uh, prices and volumes and demand uh, developed uh, over that time. Um, so we really, really 
try to build an, an infrastructure around that and to really empower the people with, with self-service tools that they can use to answer all these questions, like how many items did we sell last year uh, at the same time of the year? Um, and that's quite an investment, right? So it's not you don't have that suddenly, this, this whole, uh, yeah, you could call it BI infrastructure or uh, like analytical tools. So we really, yeah, we decided, actively decided to invest in that also with the help of Project A uh, to set that up. So to have a data warehouse and, uh, and BI tools and self-service tools and quite some people that knew how these worked and that were really able to explain it also to others. Um, because yeah, the, uh, everyone is talking about working data-driven, which always sounds really nice. But working data-driven does not mean you have five people in your company that know how to pull data from a database. I mean, it, it means that everyone in the company, if they need to make a decision, they should easily be able to find the data that's relevant for that decision. And that for us uh, has always been a priority and still is a priority. And that really helps us to, yeah, to make decisions like that. All right. And looking forward, um, when it comes to marketplace liquidity, um, we understand that this is still a, a very integral part of the business. And it's a key question that's being asked every day again. Yeah. Um, what's on the roadmap? So what is still there to explore in terms of um, balance on the marketplace? Yeah. Yeah, I think how you summarized it earlier, that at the start of the project, we were mainly focused at the, the present and the past, right? So looking how, how our results and our balance was in the last 52 weeks and then relating that to how it's going now. Um, and moving on, uh, we're more and more yeah, trying to predict the future, right? Because the earlier you know that something is going to happen, the more chance you still have to act about it. Um, yeah, so from a data science perspective, uh, from my team, uh, we, we, yeah, we work on a, a variety of predictive models because the better we know as a company how many uh, items will be submitted to us, how many of them we will approve, uh, what the value is of those items submitted, uh, how the, the price fluctuations will be in the, the coming months, the better we can, uh, can act on it. And yeah, I think as, as most people know, predicting things is uh, much harder than just looking at the past and reporting things. However, in terms of order of things, you, you first have to master the, the first part of reporting and understanding what's currently happening. And if you've built that yeah, understanding and that infrastructure, you can really move on to, to predicting and really acting on things that are going to happen. Yeah, and I think you never uh, master that for 100% because things always go a bit differently than you expect. And there's always new uh, legislation and new uh, competitors popping up or disappearing. So you can never be completely prepared for uh, what's going to happen in the next year. But the more you understand how your, your balance will develop, uh, the better you can act on it and prevent yeah, a disbalance. All right. Then, Hank, thanks a lot for sharing all these insights. Um, to summarize, I think the first point is really to understand that there is a marketplace liquidity that goes beyond just supply and demand, but really has some deeper granularity to it. Second would be to understand or to create this transparency over it um, to enable you to go to point three, which is really acting upon these insights. And you describe quite nicely how Katawiki does this on both sides of the marketplace and also the time-related angle to it. So that in the beginning, it started looking at historic data, but now you're very much working on predicting this. Yep. Um, so thanks a lot for sharing this and then looking forward to the next podcast with you. Yeah, looking forward. Thanks, Philip. Thanks, thanks. Bye.